might be good to ask for the Lord's help, so let's pray. Father in heaven, we don't want to take a baby step in our lives without pausing to acknowledge that without you we can do nothing. And so we admit that and we pray for help. I pray that these few little things that I have to say here would have a ripple effect beyond and out of proportion with anything that I am or have even imagined for them. And I trust you now that you would be in this room to guard us from the evil one who is such a horrid blinder of minds and deadener of hearts to glorious things. Free us from him. We resist him now firm in our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to um, read two passages of Scripture. And the point of each one is to highlight a distinctive or let's just say a trait or a characteristic or a mark of Bethlehem College and Seminary. I tend to move away from the word distinctives because distinctive sounds like you're supposed to have it by yourself, and that would be the opposite of our dream. We would like our traits, our characteristics to be multiplied, not distinctive to us. So you get the idea. Two marks, characteristics, things we love, things I believe in, things I love to see happen in students. And I'm going to read the texts, both of them, I'm not going to say what the point is first, and I want you to take a test and say, now what's he going to say? What is the trait, mark, characteristic of this school in that text that he's going to draw out, okay? And then I'll tell you what they are, see if you got it right, <laughs> or agreed with me, right or not. First, uh, first one, John 21, 20 to 23. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them. John. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So, the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple, John, was not to die. Yet, Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Okay. That's number one. Number two. John seven, sixteen to 18. Two from the Gospel of John. John seven sixteen. So Jesus answered the Jews, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do his will, 
He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Number two. Okay. So let's go back to the first one. In that little interchange between Jesus and Peter and the rumor that spread, I draw out this value of Bethlehem College and Seminary. We should, ourselves, and we should seek to raise up students who listen and read and speak and write with accuracy and precision, especially when handling the Word of God. That's my lesson. Jesus said to Peter about John, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what's that to you? And somewhere in the process, I don't know if it was Peter's fault or not, but somewhere in the process of hearing and speaking, those words experienced one small change. A two-letter word in English, three letters in Greek, on, was dropped. The word if. So, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Became, it is my will that he remain until I come. What's that to you? Such a tiny change from conditional clause to declarative clause, from possibility to actuality, from perhaps to promise, from truth to falsehood. It was true if it is Jesus' will, John would stay alive until the second coming. That's a true statement. And it is false to leave off the if. Dramatically false. Little words matter. All words matter. <laughs> Word order matters. Clauses matter. Phrases matter. Conjunctions matter. They matter when listening to each other in conversations. They matter when studying Shakespeare. And they matter especially and most importantly when reading our Bibles. Bethlehem College and Seminary believes this and teaches in a way that tries to instill this into students. John, the writer of the gospel, was not happy about this. He did not say, John said, he did not say, 
what everybody is saying, he said. He was not happy about this little change that turned the meaning on its head. And we're not either. So, there's number one. We care about words. Little teeny words. And we try to instill in students precision and accuracy in listening and reading and speaking and writing. That's number one. Number two. Better go back and remind you of the text. It's more difficult. Jesus answered the Jews, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there's no falsehood. Here's different ways to say it. In order to recognize the self-authenticating divinity of Jesus, his teaching, in order to recognize the self-authenticating divinity of Jesus' teaching, you must love the glory of God more than your own. There's another way to put it. Seeing the certainty of Jesus' words requires savoring the God-exalting will of God. Seeing requires savoring. Third way to put it. Knowing the divinity and truth of what Jesus really taught, knowing the divinity and truth of what Jesus taught, presupposes a heart that exults in the God-centered will of God. Last way to put it. A will that exalts in God's God's exalting will, a will, a human will, that exalts in God's God-exalting will, precedes knowledge that Christ speaks the truth of God. Well, John 17, 17 is amazing enough when it says knowing truth presupposes willing truth. I'll read it again. If anyone's will, that's the inclining part of the human soul, inclining, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. It's, it's, it's amazing enough just to hear that, that willing precedes knowing. Knowing presumes willing. That's amazing enough. But it's the connection with verse 18 that blows everything apart. Verse 18 says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him 
is true. And in him there's no falsehood. What marks a person as true and not false is his devotion to the glory of God. What marks a person as true and not false is his devotion to the glory of God. Jesus is so submitted to the glory of his Father, he's willing to die for it. He's willing to lose his life for it. He's willing to lose all of his earthly glory for it. He is so little devoted to his earthly comfort, his earthly security, his earthly fame, and so fully devoted to his Father's glory that his teaching shines with a kind of wonder unlike Anything merely human. So, when he says in verse 17, you must will God's will in order to know God's truth, he means you must join me in willing the Father's glory above your own. That's the will you will. It's not left general. It could be, it's not. It's made specific. The willing that I'm talking about is my will of the Father's glory. That's true. That's unmistakably divine and true. That degree of devotion that you see in me, that's true. That's divine. So when he says in verse 17, you must will God's will in order to know God's truth or my truth, he means you must join me in willing the Father's glory above your own. Which is confirmed, by the way, in case you want to spread this out in the, in the Gospel of John. There's a great master's thesis um, here at Bethlehem. Chapter 5, verse 44. How can you believe who seek glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Meaning, you can't. Same point. 7, 17... 5.44 and more. There's your thesis topic. It needs a lot of work. These are weighty, weighty things. So, Bethlehem cultivates. I pray we will continue to cultivate. And I think we will. I think the faculty are with me in this. We, we try to cultivate a heart that is a will the willing side of our students, the heart side of our students. Not just precision, right? Started with precision. We want to cultivate wills and hearts that are so radically God-centered that this is not just for the sake of preaching and teaching, but for the sake of knowing. You can't know the Word without this. You cannot. And you can't know that the word is gloriously and beautifully, divinely true without this will. Therefore, at a school that cares about the goal of this text, you can't ignore the heart. You can't ignore the will. You can't not pray. You can't not depend on the Holy Spirit. You can't know what is really there and the divine certainty of it, if your will is not humbled to treasure the glory of God above your own. 
So, I love these two points. I'll state them again, and I'll be done. Number one, we're committed to raising up generation after generation of Christian leaders who listen and read and speak and write with accuracy and precision, especially when handling the Word of God. And secondly, we're committed to raising up generation after generation of leaders whose minds can see God-centered truth because their wills savor God's God-centered will. Let's pray. Father, may it be so till Jesus comes. Now look out on these former students, present students, and faculty that I love, administrators, friends of the ministry who support us with their treasures, and my heart is so thankful for them and for what we together love. We love your word because there is no other place we see you, know you, are certain about you than here. Preserve, I pray, our love for your will, our love for your God-centered, God-exalting purposes in the world. Advance those purposes through the school, I pray in Jesus' name.